Welcome back, Sync Second fans. We're live and in color as we're sitting here all in our own houses coming to you through Zoom once again. Uh, we're going to try to make this a little weekly podcast. I think after uh, a year and a half trying to decide, we, we finally decided on Wednesdays. So uh, as I introduce everybody else, Danny, what's going on? What's good? Ooh, that's a loaded question for me today, guys. I will say as much as much sort of weirdness and stress and anxiety that's happening these days, there's a lot of a lot of good things happening in my life. I'm gonna give you two brief ones and then if you no, don't mind like I got a little little explanation to do. Um so the brief ones. Number one, I painted the side of my shed over the over the course of this week. It's been needing to be painted for two years, um, but I did it specifically for the purpose of an outdoor theater. I got a projector, and now I'm going to be able to watch uh, at nighttime movies and, and games, and I'd love to have you guys over sometime for maybe some Saturday night football or, or something like that. That's one. Second thing is with the release of iOS 14, um, you Android guys, uh, Andy and Brandon won't understand this, but Kyle will. Um, it, it introduced a whole bunch of new technology to me that I realized this morning I don't care about at all, which <laughs> you would think would be frustrating, but it's honestly liberating for me because I've hit that point. It's my 40th birthday was on Sunday where I, I understand and accept the fact that I don't get technology anymore and I don't even care. It's going to throw at me some new stuff on the old operating system. I'm going to disregard all of it. I'm probably, my next phone is going to be the cheapest Motorola they sell. And I'm going to use it to make calls and text. And I'm good with that. But ultimately, what's good right now, you guys know what's better than anything is the old Denver Nuggets. Now, I've been texting a little bit with uh, with Andy and Kyle about this. You guys know that the NBA playoffs are one of my favorite sporting events that exists. It just happens to be that it's going on right now um, with college football starting, um, NFL football going on, and we get the NBA playoffs. And I'm here to tell you guys, finally, everyone is starting to get it that the Denver Nuggets are legit. You've been paying attention. They're down two to one in the Western Conference Finals uh, to the Los Angeles Lakers. They were down three to one to the Jazz, three to one to the Clippers, and they won both of those series. So it's setting up perfectly for the Nuggets to be down three to one to the Lakers. And I'm going to say it. Guess what's probably going to happen? Lakers win in five. Yeah, it's probably going to be the Lakers winning, but. I'm so excited about this, uh, that my team's still playing. And what, what I love is that the NBA, and it seems like everyone nationwide can't stand it. Like, everybody's so annoyed that the Nuggets keep winning. Um, and as a, as a Nuggets homer, what I've noticed is in this series, the referees like to give the Lakers about five minutes of free fouling every game. They will literally let – did I say Nuggets – they will let the Lakers foul all they want for a period of about five minutes. Uh, yesterday, last night's game, Rajon Rondo was all about double-teaming people, 
and just chopping at them, stealing the ball and going to score. The Nuggets didn't let that stop them, still win the game. National commentators, even people who I enjoy listening to, are frustrated and annoyed that the Nuggets are winning. Um, and all they want to talk about is how other teams are blowing it. Uh, Jamal Murray is legit. I think everyone understands now that he's a superstar. He's persistent. He's, he's a competitor. And he's ready for that fourth quarter every game. So everyone can be annoyed that the Nuggets keep winning. But I actually see a possibility that they get to the, uh, the NBA Finals and maybe compete for a championship. So what's good? Denver Nuggets. I think through all that rambling, you kind of buried the lead there a little bit. 40th birthday, Danny? My golly, happy birthday, bud. Yeah, that happened. Thank you. Appreciate it. Jeez. Big 4-0, do you feel any different? I mean, I've been feeling significantly older every year since I was probably 35, so um, I don't know. 40 <laughs> didn't seem that significant. Plus, turning 40 in a pandemic pretty much kills any, like, real celebrating options you have. So, um <laughs> Did your family do anything special for you? <laughs> uh, depends on what you mean by that question. I did. I did show up to work, and my uh, my workspace was decorated, uh, which created a little bit of uh, a little bit of friction within the family. But <laughs> we're over that now. I I took the day off of day off of work on Monday and. Just sort of relaxed and worked on my shed project that I mentioned earlier. So anyway, enough about me. Uh, Andy, what's good with you? Well, much like Danny, I also had a birthday over the weekend, not 40. Um, turns out Danny and I had this sweet idea where we'd have the, a birthday a day apart, um, and our anniversary is actually the same day, so that way we can always you know, be together and support each other when we forgot as uh, that day approaches and so um you know turn 29 don't feel 40 um and i'm haven't been surpassed by technology so i feel good about myself still um also i love those denver nuggets uh there's one thing this pandemic and i think i mentioned this last week i've become a regional fan but uh much like danny anything past that utah jazz series has just been like free basketball yeah then we fact we beat the clippers was you know, something I didn't think I, we would see. And then magically uh, to not show up game one and then show up game two and uh, and, and blues on the last second shot that Anthony Davis hit was kind of incredible. And then to win game three, I mean, shoot, it's been a fun series, even, you know, looking on paper that the, the Lakers might be out, outmatched, outmatching the, uh, the, the Nuggets. And so much like Danny, the old NBA playoffs have been really fun to watch. Um, but, no, that's kind of what's good. It's just kind of getting back in the swing of things. And with the SEC starting up this week, uh, getting news that the Big Ten is going to start up in a, a few weeks, it's kind of as normal as probably we we can ask for right now in this in this crazy time. Sports equal normal. Boom. Brandon, what's good with you? Uh, I'd have to say what's good is the Philadelphia – Phillies season <laughs> is almost finally over. 
<laughs> just another year of disappointment. And I got the old Major League Baseball TV to watch their games this year. And just having sports back, I was pretty excited. And I thought I wouldn't get mad and pretty upset just seeing them continue to not have any semblance of a pitching staff whatsoever and to be terrible. So good riddance to you Philadelphia Phillies, you freaking bums. I'm sick and tired of you guys being terrible every single year. I don't even remember what it's like to watch them be good enough to lose in the playoffs. I mean, I don't even remember what that feels like at this point. So I'm glad to be done. I'll miss watching like uh, Bryce Harper and and JT Real Muto because apparently we're not going to bring him back for – you know, one, that was a great deal on there to trade away a pitcher for him. But uh, I'll miss some of that. But otherwise, I'm happy that baseball's done for the Phillies, and it'll be not a chore to watch anymore. The good news for you, though, is is that the the 76ers and the Eagles have, have done enough to pick up your spirits, I'm hoping. I tell you what, the 76ers are so bad, they, they weren't even good enough to protest during the, during the playoffs during the first <laughs> god dang. <laughs> so uh they're pretty bad and then yeah the eagles uh this weekend they have the Bengals coming up and i was telling andy this morning no matter what i'm just gonna be in a foul mood if they win if they if they won like 21 to nothing i'll be mad it wasn't 24 to nothing because it won't be good enough and if they lose then i'll i'll be just as mad so <laughs> they're they're in a they're a freaking mess. Just you're in a bit of a quandary. Then might as well not even watch. You're gonna be mad uh, regardless. Uh, that's like the one thing. Like I will, I'll turn off like a Phillies game or whatever. But uh, Eagles, like I just, it's an abusive relationship most of the time, you know. And the, they were good to me, like one year. And then I just keep coming back. And they're like, why don't you just leave them? And I'll be like, because there was that one time. <laughs> I just randomly time. saw uh, last night on Twitter, um, John Crook, Philly's legend, must be, I don't know if he's a radio or TV announcer. <laughs> and he kind of had a meltdown. Oh, yeah. There, the other day. That's why I like listening to – like well, the MLB TV you can watch him on on their show, and then you can also get the WIP uh, radio broadcast along with it, and that's why I like watching it with all the with all their announcers, all sports, because they're equally as mad as me, you know, and they get just as short tempered and probably overblow things out of proportion, just like me, and it just it's therapeutic. And then like the day after a loss turn on WIP radio in the morning, everybody's mad. And my wife's like, why do you, and I'm like, because knowing that everybody else is as miserable as I am about this thing right now, it's, it just makes me feel better. Knowing that misery, people, misery loves company. Absolutely. Yeah. So apparently like a dude, he swung and missed a guy was stealing on his follow through. He runs into the catcher as the catcher is trying to throw the guy out and it, they call whatever penalty on the on the batter, and Cruck just went off for like five minutes. And I don't know if you saw that or not, but the best part to me was after it was all said and done, everything simmered down, and then he just goes, "I don't think I said any bad words in there, did I?" <laughs> and his buddy was like, 
I could imagine him having his arm around and be like, no, nah, man, you're good. You're good. You <laughs> held it together. Yeah, they get – they were in pretty rare form. And then, like, today they had a meeting with – a little press conference with Doug Peterson, and he was getting snippy. So, just every – it was a good day for everybody to be in a bad mood for Philadelphia sports fans. How about you, Kyle? What's good with you? Uh, what's good with me? My, my son is, uh, 15 months. Uh, he's kind of a big kid. Uh, and uh, he always had the capabilities to walk. He would cruise around the couch, but he was never really like brave enough to let go of every, anything. And, uh, he's, he's finally getting to figure out that he can, he's willing to take his first steps. So, uh, it's kind of fun to, to watch that growth and, to kind of see him start cruising around. It it almost doesn't even look real when he does it because it's like, ah, oh, we've been waiting for this thing for like probably for the last six months from about, I don't know, before his first birthday till now. And he's uh, he's finally getting it figured out. He's been up and down the steps for like the last three months. And he just never really was brave enough to just let go and, and kind of fall down a couple of times. And over the last week, he's he's really starting to, to cruise around. So that's kind of fun to see. Awesome. Does his, his cruising around means you're also doing cruising around when you're oh yeah when you're uh, at between, home between our puppy and, and uh, Leo it, you just kind of get settled down and then you got to get up to go check on one of them doing something we're oh. we're getting better with uh, the the puppy training so it used to be even like a couple months ago as soon as Archie was out of sight you had to go chasing after him because there was a chance he was just peeing all over everything. Uh, but he's starting to figure some of that stuff out. Uh, Leo has figured out he's tall enough to open doors. Uh, so he's always in the pantry messing around with stuff. So, yeah, it, it's going to be a, a pretty exciting, fun next six months as he really figures out how much stuff he can get into. Always fun. All right. So uh, I know Andy mentioned it a little bit ago, uh, the Big Ten revoted to to come back i'm not exactly sure what has changed in the last couple of months that caused them to postpone the season indefinitely to now bringing it back where football is going to be played uh in october but as as four red-blooded nebraskans with andy maybe a little bit lighter shade of red his his red might not burn as bright as maybe some of the other Husker fans as they would like to say but what are your guys' thoughts about the so-called uh, hose job or the conspiracy theory that uh, the Big Ten and the Big Ten commissioner really wanted to to stick it to Nebraska for, for being that squeaky wheel for, uh, for my part like I like that they did it. Like, here's what, here's my dream situation of the thing. Step one, give us the worst schedule in the Big Ten. Step two, somehow have Nebraska just come through unscathed in all this and then being in the top ten, top five at the end of the year, and then just saying, oh, hey, Warren, yeah, thanks, buddy. We couldn't have done it without you, you know, and just that's what I'd really like to see, you know, but 
you know, I, I wasn't surprised. And the schedule isn't all that different. I mean, we're not opening up with Rutgers. And to be honest, with the COVID situation in New Jersey, I wouldn't want our Huskers leaving our safe state of Nebraska going to that freaking hole anyways, to be honest. So uh, what I thought was this will be, you know, whatever. I'm excited to have football back more than anything else. But then, like, oh, you turn on ESPN. Oh, hey, hey, oh Huskers, oh, yeah, now you're, now you're kind of scared, huh? It's like nobody said any of that. And then all of a sudden, oh, Dennis Dodd and Pat Ford and and even the guys on a Fox College football show, um, I can't – it was Brady Quinn. And then uh, here's some receipts. Y'all want some receipts on your little national news shows, Bad Mouth and the Huskers, do you? And then there Wait was – I can't remember who, who else was. But then classic – uh, Desmond Howard and even Kirk Herbstreet a little bit on there and even their even their host you know and he's talking some smack and it's like dude they're all just excited to have it back you know they knew obviously you know this is kind of a crazy thing to think about but obviously if we play in the Big Ten Conference we're probably going to play freaking Big Ten teams like it's nobody yeah. was shocked about that at any place but you know the fact that you know, that's why they that's why they did it. And they're like, well, they're playing Ohio State at Ohio State anyway. Let's put it at the beginning because I know it's really going to get those guys pissed off and griping about us. And then uh, and then we can just say, well, what's the matter? You don't want to play anymore? So that the little narrative that they tried doing, and especially like from the Wisconsin Badgers uh, bar stool <laughs> blog page or whatever, you know, and they're talking about, Oh yeah, all these 2011 Huskers. We want to win a national championship. 2020 Huskers. Oh, we don't want to play Big Ten. You know, it's like, dude, you guys, you guys are Wisconsin Badgers, okay? Yeah, I'm sure you have a poster somewhere that says we we won a few Rose Bowls, okay? Yeah. Like it, it. The whole thing irritates me. Just everybody griping in when they should just be saying thank you that we have college football. Thank you, we have Big Ten football. We're sorry that we were cowards, you know, and standing back and didn't want to say anything because for whatever, whatever purposes. And Nebraska, you know, their coach sticks his neck out for his players. And I was glad to see Urban Meyer uh, give a little kudos to Scott Frost. And I'm not a huge Urban Meyer fan, but I, I was glad that he had good things to say about it. That's what I thought. Yeah, but the, the Urban thing, I mean, he's he's been – a leader of that conference for however many years that he was at Ohio state. Like he understands kind of how things work and I'm on the same way. Don't love urban Meyer, but he did kind of, you know, reinforce the fact that as a coach and athletic director, you're supposed to be doing the best you can for your players and your, and your school. And, and I, I think that's what happened Bill Moose was probably one of the louder voices, I'm sure, and pushing for exactly what it was he wanted. And when the schedule first came out, I I saw it. I circled the Ohio State. I, I said, LOL, you know, this is funny. They're giving us exactly what we wanted. But then when you kind of start looking through it and thinking about it, it's basically the original schedule that we were already supposed to have with some dates switched around minus all the all the non-conference so i 
I think, you know, we can, we can talk about the drama and, and Desmond Howard if we want in this, in this segment, but what excites me the most, and I talked to Kyle about this earlier is every game on the schedule now is one of those that we spend the entire week, like analyzing and looking forward to mm-hmm. all, what is it? Eight regular season games now are going to be big, like interesting, fun games to prepare for. We might get kicked around by, by Ohio state. Um, but you know, we're, we're going to win some of those and, and it's like, we're getting a teaser here by whatever you would call the games that have been going on for the last two weeks. Uh, we get the big old SEC starting this week. And then after we've got a chance to watch some college football, then late October, we get, we get to the big 10. So I think this is going to be a pretty fun and just weird football season. I think there's going to be a lot of unexpected happen and, I'd like to think that the Huskers are equally or better prepared than a lot of teams out there, just because I think that's what our coach and our leadership has kind of been prioritizing. I always well, it seems like, reminisce- oh, sorry, my bad. No, I was just going to say, it seems like we've had the most consistent, uh, on, like just continuation of practice and um, where shoot Michigan state, was late even starting and then they reshut down and Michigan was kind of that same boat. Um, I mean, obviously Iowa is kind of the most similar to our situation just with demographics and um, population stuff. So they probably are kind of on our same uh, trajectory and whatnot, but it just seems like we were consistently assuming that we were just going to start late. And um, I feel like that kind of reflects, you know, what the, the story has kind of come out as. Yeah, did anybody – I don't know if I'd say cool is the, the right phrase, but for that one or two days right when the schedule came out, it was like Nebraska and Ohio State had a bit of a kinship because I, I think it's safe to say that those are the two schools that really got the ball spinning to get the Big Ten back. And I know that the two schools' Twitter pages were kind of going back and forth on it. And I don't know – for just the the fleeting moment, I thought it was was kind of cool. I also say like, don't wouldn't you say think that? And I, that maybe this is just me being the Husker fan and having the inflated view of Nebraska, but I would assume Ohio State would also like to open up with something that's a, maybe a bit easier than a a five time national champion, and and maybe they'd probably like to be able to kick around an Illinois or a Maryland or a, a Rutgers that first week instead of knowing all of this this hype that's going to come around this Nebraska game, even if it's hype that's going to be anti-Nebraska? Well, I don't – you can't be – there's not more equal footing than what both Ohio State and Nebraska are going to be on when we play that first game, just because of the limitations and everything on, on practices. So, you know, I I was, of course, worried when I first saw it, but then – and I think everybody's been saying this, if you're, if you're going to play Ohio state, would you rather play them right out of the gate or midway through the season when everybody's kind of got their own situation figured out? Like I said, I, I just think it's, it's going to be fun to have it back. And like I said, there's, there's very few games that get me in the seat 
with nothing else going on like a Nebraska football game. And that's the one game throughout the entire weekend, pro, college, uh, high school. I guess I'm there for for a full game most of the time. But uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's the one game that I'm just all in for regardless. So I'm excited that it's coming back. Like I said, I, I, I do think because I'm looking at the top 25 right now, and you have teams like Louisiana Lafayette, Army, Kentucky, Marshall, uh, BYU, Memphis. All of these teams are riding high. Cincinnati is number 14. UCF, the 2018 national champions, are coming in at, at number 13. Uh, you have all of these teams that are reaching heights in the AP top 25 that they've never reached before. And then in two or three weeks, the Big Ten's going to play one game and whether it's Ohio State beating Nebraska or Nebraska beating Ohio State and, and Michigan getting one win, and all of these teams that are going to do nothing wrong are now just going to explode into the top 25, kicking out all of these smaller schools. So live it up, small schools, because it's going to be short-lived because Ohio State went from number three preseason to out of the rankings – and they're going to go right back to number three with one win over Nebraska. So uh, live life, <laughs> Memphis and BYU, because I think it's short-lived. Might be the whole, biggest uh, schedule like that they have this year with the adding it later. Like, I like looking back. You know, obviously, you guys know this, and I talk about, like, oh, what it was like for – must have been like for 1920s college football with, you know, the different situations. And, like, this – period in time with this year like Danny saying it being a weird year this is the closest like I'll ever have to witnessing something like this you know where you know you'll have these teams like you could have like you said Memphis uh, winning some games looking respectable and then all of a sudden Big Ten oh well we decided we want to play football now too you know and they get in and there's going to be all these areas of people feeling cheated and you know, all this kind of stuff. And it, it'll just be a lot of cool conversations that I think will see how that stuff unfolds, you know, and, and like, what if Ohio state comes in and like what you said, Kyle, you know, what if they struggle? What if they have to pull some kind of miraculous come from behind from Nebraska? You know what I mean? And then are they, is Nebraska all of a sudden going to move up to in the number yeah. 25 losing their first game? You know what I mean? Or, or whatever the case may be. So I'm is excited the to see it all unfold. Is the college football playoff planned as normal? Yeah. Yeah. Because those, are, those will be some interesting, like you're saying, conversations when we get to that part of the year with all these teams in different conferences playing a different amount of games, playing, you know, an all-conference schedule versus some, you know, Clemson, who would they play? The Citadel yeah. last week? Like – and I, I think it comes back to Big Ten teams if they want to be considered at the end of the year, man, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to play well every single week against some really good competition. And I, I don't know, I, I like I said a few minutes ago, I think this is gonna be a super interesting college football season with so many twists and turns and of course then you got old COVID throwing in there. I think did Notre Dame get eliminated from a from a game this week? Yeah. Maybe with some players testing positive, like that's a total wild card in it. Um, it's a really weird, like I said at the beginning, 
a lot of stress and anxiety, but man, there's going to be some storylines at least out of all this. From what I heard uh, on ESPN on game day, they confirmed that yes, the uh, championship tournament will be as normal and will consist of two SEC schools and uh, <laughs> Oklahoma and uh, Clemson. <laughs> uh, I actually think that was a huge reason why the Big Ten decided to go from nine games to eight games and eliminate all that because they wanted to make sure their season was ended by the time everybody else who started normally was going to end. So that way, if you had that 8-0 team or 7-1 team, you could at least say that they were in contention to to make make the Final Four. Yep. And we're playing our last home game, Nebraska's last home game, December 12th. Yeah. And I, I honestly think there could be fans at that point. And we know – you guys know that our – Nebraska's last game, you know who it's against? Minnesota. The P.J. Flex. And I think we've established on this podcast my hatred for P.J. Flex. So maybe I'll get to go mid-December to to Lincoln and watch us have the grand finale of our season beating Minnesota. Like, there's some stuff to look forward to here. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Like I said, I – I was always hoping Nebraska would get back, uh, but now hopefully we'll uh, we'll actually get to see them. Like I said, I, I would love – even if it was just one game, and if they only had one game where fans were allowed or if they started easing into to having fans, that might be the toughest ticket in America to get, I understand. But, man, I would love to go to just one game this year and say you were there that year. But uh, that's yet to come. Uh, that's a couple of months, a couple of weeks away. Uh, this week we got live football action. Uh, so as we go around for the four pick'em games, uh, Andy, before we get started picking games, uh, do you want to give a quick rundown of of where we stand after two weeks? I would love to do it, but then it just sounds like I'm bragging about myself. Yeah. So uh, overall, uh, there's a a guy by the name of Kyle. Um, uh, fancy that who has a uh, two win lead uh, he's six and one currently um, he's uh, got a two game lead over Danny and Brandon who are four and three and then a three game lead over uh, yours truly who's at three and four and so, so uh, just one second so being four and three and three and four you guys would probably literally be struggling struggling to beat the coin uh, from last season <laughs> Just, just so you guys know. Oh shoot! I, I wanted to bring the, I wanted to have the coin participate, and I totally forgot about it. Well, we can put him at five hundred because that's what the staff would say, <laughs> and then he's right in the thick of things with the rest of you three. I'd like to bring the coin back. Honestly, if anybody has a quarter, I think when we make our picks, we throw, we throw the coin in there. That was some good fun during. You guys remember bowl season last year? Yeah, that yeah. was fun. Remember when games could have fans and people could travel? And we argued about whether or not they would come to Lincoln for a bowl game. Yeah. This Friday they will. (laughs) Uh, This Friday they will. God, that's a little nugget there, Brandon. Thanks. We'll keep you up up to date on that. Uh, Always, like always, keep – Keep 
uh, in touch with us on Twitter. Uh, we're at Sing Second on Twitter, not We Sing Second. That belongs to the, the to the posers and the copycats that are trying to hone in on our name. Unless uh, they are our fan club. They very well could be our fan club, and we don't even know. The, the Sing Second Podcast <laughs> fan club? Actually, I, let's, let's roll with that. Yeah, the We Sing Second. We actually we appreciate the support. We're just uh, – there's four simple guys that like to talk college football, but having a having a fan base is kind of nice. So thank you, We Sing Second. Uh, so let's get into our games. I'm going to just start off right here because we've had a lot of discussion off pod about this game. Uh, Kansas State at Oklahoma. You heard me right. Uh, that's a 28-point uh, spread. Danny, what gets you so excited about this one? Okay, so – you know, this segment is basically titled Games That We're Excited to Watch. So for the listeners out there, four of us here on this podcast, uh, we talk to each other about the game that we're excited to watch for the week. Uh, when, I, when I mentioned this as a game that I was excited to watch, the response from Kyle was something to the effect of, you know, we're doing picks on this game. How hard is it to pick a game where you have one team that's a 27-and-a-half-point favorite? My response is, Kyle, you're being kind of a jerk. This is the game that I'm excited to watch, and I can't wait to entice you with it um, when we record the podcast on Wednesday. I also yes, want to throw out there – go ahead, because I'm, I'm probably going probably gonna to talk just... about you a little bit, Kyle. So if you have something to say now – I'm just going to say my biggest overall point was I don't think this is going to be a game that's really going to split hairs on the pick. So I'm just, I'm just saying it, it leaves my, my already big lead pretty safe. Yeah. So if you're, if you're six and one on the season, wouldn't you want a game like this to just increase your lead? I'm not coasting to this victory. Okay. So I get you know, hey, there's two ways to look at this. Either game we're excited to watch or I guess, um, you know, I don't want to spoil this, but Kyle's been going with a theme on the game that he picks each week. Um, and it might have something to do with he's admittedly maybe watched like a quarter of college football this year so far. Uh, but he, he's, he's a fan of a podcast who are all fans of a certain team that he's probably going to be talking about later. Anything there? Or you just want me to keep going, Kyle? Um, no, I would say that two of the, the games I'm going to pick were, A, the only two teams that were rated playing against each other, and the second game being uh, one of the fiercest rivalries in college football. But, no, you, you can read it however you choose <laughs> to read it. All right. So, guys, let me uh, present to you. Kansas State at Oklahoma. Now, Oklahoma is the third-ranked team right now. Um, you know, regarding our conversation earlier, man, there's going to be some fluctuation in the top 25 teams this year. Uh, but Oklahoma does happen to be a 27-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, this is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on Big Fox, as they say. So I would just like to invite everybody – you three and our listeners to enjoy your morning coffee uh, and a nice uh, classic big eight, big 12, whatever you want to say uh, matchup. 
And, and so the reason that this game is enticing to me is that, that it's an old uh, classic matchup of kind of teams that we're all familiar with in this, in this part of the country. I have enjoyed, because usually I travel a lot in the fall, um, but, but we've been home given the circumstances. And I've really had a good time waking up on Saturdays, usually take the dog for a walk or something, you know, what 40-year-olds do, uh, grab a cup of coffee, and then just kind of enjoy that, that early game. A few weeks ago, it was Iowa State. That was an interesting one uh, when they lost to a Sunbelt team from Louisiana. And so I just – I like these like these 11 a.m. games. Uh, but, Kyle, your, basically your point is why be excited – about a game with a with a 27 and a half point spread. So I'm going to present you with a few points and then I'd like to hear your response. Number 1. Kansas State lost their opening game uh, to a Sunbelt team, Missouri State. And my question is are they are they really that bad? Like I want to watch and see is Kansas State really that bad or is it they just kind of succumb to the being unprepared. Like we saw a lot, we've seen a lot of teams so far this season that just like they weren't prepared given all the circumstances of, of the last few months. So are they really that bad or was it just kind of a fluke? They were eight and five last year. I mean, they had a pretty good season last year. They had a new head coach. You guys know uh, who Kansas State's head coach is? I'm looking at Andy and, and Brandon here. I know where he's came from but I don't remember the name, his name is Chris Kleiman yep and Brandon where'd he come from he was a bison yeah I mean great success there you would think it would probably translate at, at Kansas State so that's my first question is is Kansas State really that bad I'm anxious to watch and see second question is redshirt freshman quarterback for Oklahoma uh, Spencer Rattler really that good I don't know if you guys saw any highlights from their opening game um, and I was wrong. Oklahoma played Missouri State. I don't know who Kansas State lost to, to be honest. Uh, fill me in if you got it. But Rattler was 14 for 17, 290 passing yards, four touchdowns, and a QB rating of 97.5 in their opening game. And if you watch any of the highlights, like he's one of those guys that looks like he's effortlessly just throwing it all the way down the field, perfect act perfect accuracy, sort of like watching Kyler Murray um, play, for, play for the Cardinals these last couple of weeks. So my question is, is he really that good? Um, you'd expect to have, you know, Kansas State with a little bit better defense than Missouri State. So we're about to, about to find out. If you're still not excited, Kyle, you go ahead and you find some sort of organization – friend somebody that you could make just a friendly you know amateur wager with either given 27 and a half points or or getting 27 and a half points and that automatically right there when you got a little something on the line makes the game interesting right all of a sudden those 27 and a half points um give you something to look for and i would just like to end this little uh, enticement of kansas state at oklahoma with a little history from last year for you guys. So do you remember that Oklahoma lost in the college football playoff at the end of last year? They lost, to, they lost to LSU, the eventual champion. They had one other loss 
in the entire season Oklahoma did last year? Anybody know who it was to? Kansas State. Arkansas Kansas State Kansas. Red Wolves, because that's who Kansas State lost to. Last year. Oh. They lost they lost to Kansas State last year. It was like thirty to twenty eight or something like that, wasn't it? It, it, it went down to an onside kick. I had a, a student, his name's Colton. He's a big Oklahoma fan. Uh, he he filled me in on this today. Their only loss other than in the in the semifinal, Oklahoma's, was to Kansas State. It came down to an onside kick. Um, C.D. Lamb ended up touching it too early or something like that. They lose the game. So it is possible that a Kansas State could knock off an Oklahoma team. So I invite you, you three, uh, and all of our listeners to tune in with interest. 11 a.m. on Saturday on Fox. Grab a cup of coffee. Chill. Get some yard work done if you want. If it's a bad game. If it's a good game, uh, tune in and watch. So, I guess we're we're also picking these games. I got Oklahoma. Oh, you got. <laughs> uh, I'll take Oklahoma. We'll we'll make a, a short story long. Uh, the only thing that I would say, Danny, is your biggest sell point or your first sell point on this game was you were just excited to see how bad somebody was. And if that doesn't sell a college football game, I don't know what that. <laughs> yeah, like Boomer Sooner. That's all you got. You got no responses to any of those. Do you think Kansas State is really that bad? I'm just saying I, I'm not worried about Kansas State being that bad. Uh, I do think that they're they're not great. Arkansas State was the team that they lost to. Uh, it was one of the Sun Belt trifectas. Uh, oh. I believe if it, Andy would correct me, they're the ones that have the red field, although this was playing uh, played at Kansas State. But they, they do not have a red field, though. Who does have the red field then? Eastern Washington, Washington, I think. Same thing. Same thing. They're <laughs> Northwest quarter. <laughs> um, but, no, I'm taking Oklahoma. Uh, this game will not have a, a big showing on my TV. Oh, shoot. That was going to be my next question. Is there, so are you, you're not any more likely to watch the game after all that than you were uh, 10 minutes ago? Uh, 48-41 was the, was the score to last year's game. Uh, pretty high scoring. I was actually um, trying to find out because this is what I'd actually be excited for. I know I've been giving you a hard time about uh, this being a super huge uh, spread. I was actually trying to find out what the spread of last year's game was. Yeah, because, I was trying. I, I couldn't figure that out. Uh, I'm trying to find it. So as Andy and, and Brandon make their picks, I think I'm, I'm close to finding it. All right, so this is one I had penciled on, potentially my pick too, that also got ridiculed by Kyle. Oh, uh, Andy thought this would be an interesting <laughs> game also, Kyle. But very much the reason why Danny laid out with, is Kansas State really this bad? Is that going to make Oklahoma look not that good? Um, because now that the Pac-12 is out, is, are, is the Big 12 going to be the new Pac-12? Or just because you won that championship doesn't basically mean anything uh, in the college football respect. And so uh, I think one of my big issues is Kansas State lost like four of their five starting offensive linemen from last year which is why they not look very good last week. Um, 
but I can't imagine OU would make this a game uh, simply for the fact of they're playing for something larger than Kansas State is. Wait, can you, someone was someone was knocking on the door back here. What, what was your point about was Kansas State missing players COVID related in that opening no, game? No, they had they had like a huge senior class last year on the offensive line, and so they just they graduated, and so they're just young up front. I think they may have actually had some guys like quarantining or something. I think they may have been missing some players against old Arkansas State. Anyway. So you're picking Oklahoma? I am, yes. Got to get in the wind column somehow. Brandon, who you got? Well, for all you single listeners out there, I hope you all find somebody who looks at you the same way that the uh, college football fans look at Oklahoma's new quarterbacks. <laughs> like somewhere I, I imagine like – They're good. I know. Like the Philadelphia Eagles, there's going to be – a meme of that with the guy holding the girl's hand and the, the girl's hand they're holding now is Jalen Hurts. And then he's looking back over at Spencer Rattler over there, you know, ah, I'm excited to see, <laughs> I'm excited to see uh, Spencer Rattler play again. I don't know. He's fun to watch Oklahoma, the best, the most exciting time to watch them uh, in their offense. I always think is the beginning of the year, you know, before people kind of have some things figured out. Urban Meyer said he made like a comment the other day saying how uh, these big 12 teams are like the better team lost. And uh, so that kind of struck me a little bit with Kansas state. Uh, But if you, if you really are not having the speed and everything and you're playing a fast team like Oklahoma, sometimes the best way, uh, to play those teams is to take time-consuming drives, to have a power running game, those kind of things that Kansas State, I think, is slowly trying to morph into a little bit, be more of the physical pro style instead of the spread attack in the in the Big 12. Um, I think still Oklahoma's too good right now. I would love to see Kansas State win, you know, just – I like I like it when uh, Oklahoma gets upset. You know, it's awesome. And I think Lincoln Riley's a little bit overrated. That's just my my philosophy a little bit. But I think they'll I think they'll win. I'll be excited to watch it though. Just you know, it's college football. It's Big Twelve. It's at a convenient time to to watch some of that. So I I'll be excited to watch it and see. You know, uh, the way the Eagles are playing now, uh, that Spencer Rattler might be their number one overall pick. Yeah, I'd be interested season. to see if that opinion on Lincoln Riley is going to change at all when the Eagles have the number one pick, fire Doug Peterson, oh yeah. hire Lincoln Riley and take this Rattler guy as your starting QB of the future. My luck, they will hire Bo Pelini as his defensive coordinator. <laughs> I was going to ask about that because – Brandon, I think last year was saying that same thing about Lincoln Riley. Like, what, what will, uh, what would change your opinion about him, or is it just Oklahoma that you are annoyed I by? To, I would like to see them. You know, he he kind of inherited, you know, a gold mine here, and I'd like to see him actually try to do a thing in Oklahoma that I don't know if they've done since. God, who knows? White was their quarterback back in the day. Actually, develop a quarterback you know it's like now they just they've had this 
stretch of people coming in, you know, and, and doing that and like with Jalen Hurts and stuff like that. And I just think he's kind of got an embarrassment of riches and he plays in a – he's an offensive coordinator who plays in a conference where the defense is optional. And, wow. uh, you know, you – I mean, they might as well just play seven on seven. So, I don't know. That's kind of – I'm sure – I mean, I know he's smarter than I am and, and all that stuff. But I just think uh, a lot of other assistants probably could have taken over there and had some success. That's just me. Oh, I'm. Did I say I'm picking Oklahoma? Yeah, I'm picking Oklahoma. I don't know why I'm making Danny's points for him, but Oklahoma last year, <laughs> twenty-three and a half point favorite over Kansas State. Ah, uh, <laughs> see, possible, I guess. So it looks like so three of us are gonna walk are gonna be watching that game at eleven, and one of us is gonna continue to probably not watch college football for the next week. And still have more picks correct than you guys. <laughs> uh, I, like I said, I, I'll be anxiously awaiting uh, the group message that's going to undoubtedly start rolling around 11 o'clock. And when you guys tell me that in the third quarter, Kansas State is within three points in driving, then I might flip it over, see, uh, see what's going on there. Uh, let's shift to game number two. Uh, battle of the SEC, we got Tennessee at South Carolina. Andy, what made you intrigued by this one? You know, just looking at it, the matchup doesn't scream anything important because South Carolina and Tennessee are fighting for the number four spot in the SEC East. Um, so neither of these – or West, whatever it is. Um, so neither of these teams are going to go anywhere. They may – they may – I mean, other than Arkansas, one of these two teams may end up being the worst team in the SEC. Um, but just simply the fact that Tennessee is ranked number 16. Um, the last few years, as Nebraska has been preseason ranked 25, and they're, oh, Nebraska's being handed this and that. That's kind of how I feel with Tennessee right here. They want Tennessee to be back so bad that once you take out so many teams, there's no one left but to have Tennessee at number 16. Um they open up as a three-and-a-half-point favorite against South Carolina at South Carolina. Um, they have a quarterback back, uh, Jared Guarantano, who is, feels like he's been there for like a decade, but never because he's been so good, but simply for the fact that he's been benched a lot, but somehow always has the starting job. Um, Recruiting-wise, They've been, you know, 23 in 2018, 11 in 2019, 18 last year. And then currently they have the number three ranked team uh, recruiting class. And so not that that matters at all, but, you know, at least it's a name brand type of thing. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt is their head coach. He's 13 and 12 in two years. Um, big defensive coach. Uh, that's why last year they're top third of the – uh, of the nation in total defense and in offense, that was in the bottom third. So just your pr pr uh, pretty much prototypical uh, defensive coached team where their offense is just boring and not good, but their defense shows up and they're able to win some games. Um, South Carolina, very much kind of the same way. Will Muschamp is their head coach. Um, he's had head coach stints at Florida as well, where he was 28 and 21, went to the football playoff his first year or something like that um, but then got fired after a few years just because the offense was ugly 
Same thing at uh, South Carolina. They're 26 and 25. Off defense is always pretty decent, but offense has been terrible. And so last year this game ended up being uh, 41-21 in favor of Tennessee. Um, now Tennessee loses a lot of guys on defense, but they're coached by a pretty darn good defensive uh, mind, so that should at least be there. But again, Tennessee number 16 overall, a quarterback coming back who is decent at best. Uh, just just the fact that are they trying to push us to the point where Tennessee is back is interesting to me. I have Tennessee. I'll jump in. I'll, I'll take the volunteers. Uh, I know I've mentioned it before. I, I'm always just – I'm a fan guide. I won't dive into too much – uh, really the analytics because I think I won't know as much as the next guy, but I went to the, the battle of Bristol and saw just how powerful the, the volunteer, uh, faithful can be. Uh, I've never been a huge South Carolina fan because they've just always seemed like they're just the team that's going to muck up the game. And I don't know, it's just, just the feeling that I get from them. So I'm taking the volunteers because I like them more. Brandon? Um, any, South Carolina has always been a tricky pick for me historically. Anytime I think they're going to win, they lose. Anytime I think they're going to lose, they pull off a win. But, uh, you know, I'm going to have to go with the old, hey, old Rocky Top. Woo! Woo! Go with the old Tennessee Vols. So all so all three of you went Tennessee on that one. So yes. we're all on the Volunteers. Okay. I don't really, I don't really have any opinion on this game, but I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go different. I got South Carolina. South Carolina. And that's it, huh? That's all we got. I hate Tennessee's uniforms. I know we were going to talk about doing like a, a uniform episode one time. And I think I remember someone mentioning Tennessee and some that color of orange. Just it's an ugly shade of orange. I don't like it. Um, honestly, as, as a Broncos fan, loving Peyton Manning, I actually didn't like him in college. And enjoyed when Nebraska beat Tennessee up. Tennessee is just the more annoying team to me. So, I guess if you want justification, that's why I'm going with South Carolina. I don't like that end zone where they do the checkered end zone. It's just all of Tennessee's stuff. I'm not – just, you know, I'm not a fan of. Do you guys like Tennessee's uniforms? No, I, I don't like the shade of yellow. The the pewter gray that they have though sometimes that is yeah. a, a much better uniform with the with the orange being an accent instead of the the main reason. Or their yeah. black ones are sweet too. So the main color of your entire thing becomes your accent color, which is also pretty stupid. <laughs> uh, shifting to game about it. <laughs> shifting to game three. Uh, Brandon, we have Army at Cincinnati, both rated in the top 25, I believe. Uh, obviously, you're, you're a big commander-in-chief cup guy. Um, what do we got? What intrigues you about this game? We're talking about our Army, right? 
Our <laughs> Army, yes. Hey, we got a top 25 matchup here. And uh, I know Army's not a perennial top 25, but recently, not last year, but a few years prior to that, it was common to see Army climb into that top 25 at the end. Uh, I picked this game just because I like Army. And uh, I also picked it because before the Big Ten was joining back to college football, I thought Cincinnati would have potential this year uh, to be a top 10 finisher and maybe be one of those kind of teams that could sneak into a college football playoff. But now I suppose they'll be replaced by another team from the same state. But uh, here's what I kind of have for it. Uh, for Cincinnati, uh, their bread and butter. Cincinnati likes to run the ball. Uh, they use kind of a spread run attack. They use some zone reads, some options, things kind of like that. Uh, when they get up to the goal line the goal. last week, uh, they tend to do like a direct snap to their running back and kind of a wildcat type of thing where uh, he can sneak it in. Um, I think they'll look forward, even though kind of running the ball is, is their main thing. I think they will look to spread the ball out to test out Army's secondary. A lot of teams that are good that go against Army, like they kind of think Army's corners are going to tend to be a little slower, a little shorter, and that kind of thing, and see how they hold up. Army's had some players out from their secondary this year uh, so far. I think a few of them due to some suspension-type things. And they're all pretty tight-lipped about that stuff, so I don't, I don't know if they'll be back or, or whatever. Uh, the quarterback for Cincinnati is Desmond Ritter. Uh, he'll have to try to spread the ball out without Alec Pierce. Their leading receiver from last year uh, is going to miss some games because he got his knee scoped uh, this week. So he won't be in the game, uh, but let, he didn't play last week, and they distributed the ball by committee, you know, with all of that. Uh, Army's defense will have to hope for an early stop, uh, get them get to punt right away and that kind of deal. And then also um, look for turnovers, which they've been good at forcing turnovers. On the Army side, I would say, obviously, the old triple option. And uh, it was a little bit different from last week. Uh, last the thing that I was concerned going in – or two weeks ago, I mean. I was concerned about Army's second game uh, from what I saw because it reminded me shades of last year's Army team. I thought that Jeff Munkin went away from the analytics a little bit and would start throwing on third and long, which I know most football teams would do. Uh, but the year before, uh, it would be common for Jeff Munkin to run – you know, a trap with the fullback, something inside to make fourth and short manageable uh, because they go for it on fourth down a whole lot. Uh, and so I thought they tried to force the passes uh, last week on offense, and some of that stuff concerned me. Uh, but I guess a, an encouraging thing for Army is last year they would have lost that game, even though they won like 37-7 to seven or whatever it was. It was actually a really close game at half, and Army – had a real gutsy uh, fake punt from their own like 15-yard line that kind of got their momentum to go back. So um, they'll look to get the ball 
Well, I don't know who their uh, quarterback will be if Jabari, if Jabari Laws will be back or if uh, Christian Anderson's still hurt or uh, if they'll go with uh, Jamel Jones. Um, I think Army maybe has a mismatch with the linebacker group from Cincinnati. Their linebackers are the least experienced. Um, their secondary is probably their strength on, on their defense, so I think Army – doesn't mind that too much uh, because they're not going to be thrown a lot. And hopefully Army will be able to use like their two Mr. Insides, uh, Sandem McCoy and this Jacoby Buchanan, who reminds me of uh, Darnell Warfolk, who played for him a few years ago. And Mr. Outsides with Tyrell Robinson and Artise Hobbs, the fourth. So uh, there's some mismatches there for Army, but I think uh, – you know, as much as I would like to say that I think Army will win, um, you know, I, I thought Cincinnati, would, like I was saying, would be a top-10 team. And I can't say that if they're going to lose to Army, you know, even though I want them to lose. So I think uh, Cincinnati is a 10-digit favorite, but I don't think – I think they'll try to run the ball. Army will try to run the ball. It'll be close. And I think Cincinnati will win by about – four points it'll be close and it just be a little too much to handle for army that i think Army's good but i think cincinnati is a solid team they only lost two games last year i believe ohio state well they lost three they lost to ohio state and then they lost to memphis and then they lost to memphis a week later in their uh conference championship so i uh, you know they're i think they had high hopes going into this year and and i think they'll be able to handle army yeah luke fickle right is yeah. the coach yep. yeah was last year his first year there mm, I don't first know. or second because he I was an ohio second. state guy yeah. he was like their interim after urban left went six and seven got fired yeah but then he was their defensive coordinator for a little while urban kept him on staff i'll bet he's been yeah. at cincinnati for maybe a maybe two years or so. Yeah. And he's one that after every season, he's been kind of the next hot, hot commodity coach out of the uh, group of five schools. Uh, Cincinnati to me, uh, they were supposed to play Nebraska originally, right? They're going to be the opener. Yeah. This was a real late addition for army. This real late. Yeah. You know, and I think this is the first time where army has the dudes that Navy usually has. Usually Navy's the one that has the speed on the outsides and a fullback that could run for days. The Army's kind of been that little brother who just kind of has the guys who are competing to compete. Um, but Army, like you said, Brandon, has 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 the dudes to really do some damage. Um, and the fact that Cincinnati's having to, um, you know, doesn't have the full offseason to prepare for an Army game, uh, that that's hard to do. But I kind of I kind of agree with you there, Brandon, where, where Cincinnati's – uh, had a lot coming back, and they had a great year last year. Um, and I think the American, like we've talked about before, is, doesn't quite get the credit it may deserve just with the with the different types of offense and different types of play. Um, but with, with Navy being in the American Conference, they, uh, they at least see the triple option. And so I think I'll probably go with Cincinnati as well. Yep, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be on Cincinnati, uh, although I'll, I, I never want to bet against our Army. Uh, a strong army yeah we're not going to war with cincinnati yeah yeah, football wise i i think army's off to a good start but it actually gives two weeks of 
two weeks of film for Cincinnati to watch, and I don't know how much uh, Army is going to be able to throw new wrinkles or vary uh, what they do. And, and I think Cincinnati will be prepared, and I assume they're going to have dudes on defense that can, can stop the Army offense, and I think that works against Army's favor. So, uh, And if Brandon's not even picking Army, then I can't, I can't pick Army either. So, <laughs> I hope uh, I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. It, but. Yeah, I mean, I'll be, I'll be rooting for Army just because of just because Brandon. Uh, I when he tells me, like I said last time, when he tells me to be on a team, I'm on him. So I'll be rooting for Army, but I think Cincinnati's going to probably win. Uh, just to bring up the podcast that uh, Danny made fun of me for for always referencing, uh, they like to say that Army leads the nation in ty. FS, which stands for they lead the nation in thank you for your service. So uh, we appreciate what they do for us. I'm going to make it a sweep, though, and say that uh, Cincinnati's going to win this one. Yep. But go uh, Army. <laughs> but go Army. Uh, that brings us to our last game, uh, the game that I'm bringing to the table. Uh, it will be the, the University of Miami for the third week in a row for me, uh, taking on the, the Florida State Seminoles. Uh, headlines around uh, the internet are saying that this is the first real rivalry game uh, of 2020. And so I just kind of love the history of the wide, the wide right and the wide left kicks. Um, I think if, if you look at it, these top two or these teams are in the top 20 compared to just talent on the field. If you believe in all the recruiting sites, I think one is 18 and one is 20 in terms of true talent. Um, but Florida State is sitting at an 0-1 record. They lost to Georgia Tech, which uh, surprisingly is not running the flexbone offense. They're running uh, a more popular a popular offense these days, and they managed to lose 13-16 to while getting two field goal blocks and blocking an extra point. Uh, so that being said, I'm, I'm going to continue to ride Miami. It's at Miami's, and they will have a, a small contingency of fans, about 20% of their stadium. Uh, but Miami and De'Aaron King, I think, are, are just a, a solid, good team this year. They have a new offensive coordinator that's a lot more imaginative to get their skill guys in open spaces with the ball. And I was actually over at Brandon's for a stretch uh, during this Louisville game that Miami played last last week. And it was a close game to begin with just because Miami kept kind of shooting itself in the foot when it got down to the red zone. But every time you were looking up, they had guys in space that were running. And the one thing Miami will always have is guys that can just flat out move in space. So uh, they've treated me well so far. I'm taking Miami over Florida State. Uh, for the third week in a row, uh, it's a uh, it's about eleven and a half, twelve point game. So, Danny, who do you got? Uh, well, and I'll also admit that I I listen to the uh, Dan Lebertard show almost daily too, and am on the Miami train as well as Kyle is. But um, I've got to give him the hassle for picking the Miami game as the game to watch because he legit I don't think has watched other college football games. <laughs> uh, this year, fun fact. Well, Miami's going to win. I mean, they're the, they're the better team. Uh, they've 
played one more game than Florida State. Uh, Florida State's 0-1. Florida State's head coach won't even be there. Did you guys know that uh, Mike Norvell's got COVID? I did hear that. He won't even be uh, attending the game. So speaking of weird stuff that's going to happen this season, that's one of those weird things. And I honestly think – I think we probably all – deep down from the nineties have a lingering hatred from, you know, for Miami just because of the rivalry, I think versus Nebraska. But I think the world needs like a, a confident uh, Miami team that's winning games. Like I, I think that's, that's good for college football and I want to see Miami keep rolling. So I think they're legit. I think Derek King is good and Miami wins. I'd have to say, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the growing up in our era and everything. This is a game like when I was a kid, I always wanted both teams to tie. You know, it's just, man, Miami and then Florida State, you know, during kind of the mid to later 90s. And, man, it's just, it was always a game full of villains for me. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, just because watching Miami last weekend was fun to uh, put, see them put athletes in space uh, to do some more creative things offensively. And, uh, yeah, I, I think Miami's going to win. And college football's better. You know, it's like as much as I get mad at, at the love for Notre Dame, you know, there's some teams like college football's better when Notre Dame is good. College football's better when – Miami's good. College football is better when Nebraska's good, you know. Uh, so I, I'm excited to watch it. I'm excited that I think Miami's going to win and have some swagger going into this year. And I I'm think it'll be fun to watch. Go Canes. <clears throat> wow, even giving flashing the U there. Uh, he just he just threw up the U on our on our Zoom here just for listeners. <laughs> have you ever done that before Brandon is that your first time bienvenido a Miami <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that was the second time right there <laughs> uh, well I I can't really disagree with anything you guys have said um, that Georgia Tech game Georgia Tech obviously um, last year was, was terrible um, after they switched to the the more traditional spread type offense with the mobile quarterback. Um, and and their quarterback that they have this year decommitted from Florida State and went to Georgia Tech and then ran all over them. So it's kind of a, um, a little little bit of a, a stick-it-to-him game because um, that game was not just a three-point game. Georgia Tech kind of handled them. Um, but, shoot, Miami just looks better and better. They're, they're one. That quarterback, De'Aaron King, I mean – set the world ablaze at Houston and then kind of had a so-so year before sitting out last year. And um, he just has looked better and better as he gets more in rhythm and shoot. But you might be back. They might be back. You guys are invited to come over when it gets dark and watch uh, that game on my, on my shed on my outdoor theater. No, and really, just, any listeners, any listeners say, out there, come on just over. Just to clarify, are you, like, is it us that are invited or everybody? Because we're not just talking to the four of us right now, Danny. I'm going to extend it worldwide to our worldwide listeners. Um, 
it's not a big backyard. Social distancing will be required, but uh, I think we can accommodate for that. So um, just text me ahead of time if you're going to come over and I'll, I won't make any food. I might throw a few chairs out there. I mean, it's pretty much just come over if you want to watch the game. You want to share your phone number out so they can text you? No, I don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, just kind of before we wrap up and talking Miami versus Florida State kind of got me thinking, like, during the middle of these stretches, and right now we're kind of in a Miami, Clemson, Ohio State stretch, it feels like there's never a reason for these teams to ever not be the best teams in college football. Like, it feels like when you look at Miami or when you look at Alabama, they're just going to continue to just always be the top three team that they've been for the last 10 years. But I would also say that you could could have said that about Miami in the 2000s or if you think about uh, USC or if you think about um, even Oklahoma for, for little stretches where you just think that when these teams are going, they're just going to be unstoppable forever. And it's like they found the cheat code to the games, but it never fails. It, it, it turns on them in a hurry. Like whatever is going to happen to a team like Alabama or somebody like that, that's going to turn them into a Miami where they're always talking about is the U back. I feel like I've, I've thought about this a lot too. And it seems like there's, there's two kinds of teams that have success. All right. The first kind is Miami and USC, like you said, and they seem to follow a pattern. Somebody new comes in, they start to get success. They're really good. They win a national championship. Oh, they cheated. They're on probation. Somebody new comes in, uh, they get a little success. Like how many times do you see like where Miami, the whole, the whole uh, documentary series they did with that and USC with, with that. And then you have the teams like Alabama who, uh, I don't know. Surely they cheat too. You know, was that who was said? Uh, who was Bob Devaney? Who always said, "I want to be good enough um, to where I warrant an investigation, but not good enough to where I get caught for cheating." You know, he was like, "That's how. That's the line I want to. I want to toe there." And so I just think some of those uh, schools, maybe they're not looking for it as much or whatever. Or maybe in the ones where people get caught, it's because people were being kind of stupid and bragging about it. But uh, and even Oklahoma to a little extent, you know, you'll see Oklahoma sometime be in the news for something, you know, that happened right at the time of a national championship. And, and I, I always kind of thought that's some of those teams there. I mean, I, are they, are they, are their fans okay with that? You know, just saying, yeah, Hey man, if, we win a national championship and everybody hates us for a few years and, and then and it, uh, we'll be back. Yeah. And is it just like the world's worst kept secret? Like <laughs> if you, if you listen to the legends or like the, the stories about Nebraska in the nineties, like what, what made Nebraska so good? Was it really just the, the local kid, the local farm kids that work really hard and, and create the pipeline and then just a couple of key speed guys from the coasts or, were we kind of skirting maybe more toward the wrong side of that line than the right side of that line? And, and maybe just like, well, what, what changed for Nebraska? Like when you think Miami and USC, you're thinking, 
well, those are recruiting hotbeds where there should always be talent on the field all over the place. Like USC, Reggie Bush, Matt Leiner, those years, they're like, they're so overwhelming and so overpowering to any team that they play. Like, where do you ever see this falling off? And like right now we're just in the middle of the Alabama run where it's just like, these guys are just going to be awesome forever. And if you believe the rumor, as soon as Nick Saban wants to leave Alabama, Dabo Sweeney's going to move over. And it's like, is it just going to continue to churn them out? Or are they going to go through the same down spell that they were in uh, in the early 2000s before all this stuff started to happen? I, I also think success is so hard to sustain because there's so many variables. So like you have to be, you have to have the scheme and the system that's better than everyone else's. You have to have recruiting continuously. You have to build a culture of, of excellence that everyone buys into and sustain that. You have to have the best assistants and keep them there you know, before they go leave and become a head coach somewhere. Like, there's so many variables. Plus, add on what you guys are talking about, like cheating the right way without getting caught if that's happening. Like, that's just five incredibly difficult things for any one person to maintain and, and to sustain. And so, like, look at Urban Meyer, how many places he was successful at. And he, he retired – from every one of those places to either be with his family or for health reasons, like, because imagine the toll that that probably took on him continuously and you can get there and sustain it for a few years, but to maintain all of those things all together at the same time has to be like just incredibly taxing and difficult. And I think Kyle, just, just a second, like what oh, Alabama and Clemson have right now, I think they're at the sustaining part and I think it's about to get like super hard to keep all that stuff because like, look at um, Brett Venables, uh, Clemson D coordinator. Like he should be a head coach somewhere, but for whatever reason, he's sticking with Clemson. Like as soon as some of those guys start going off to do their own thing, it's going to be, it's going to be super hard though. So I just think it's incredible that even be able to have a dynasty for like two or three years. Yeah, just on your Urban Meyer point first, like he, he's on both sides because he can take a program and make it successful, but then it seems like he burns every bridge that he, he has when he leaves. So that's kind of on both swings. But I think you hit the nail on the head earlier when you were, you were saying about the assistant coaches. Like that's probably the hardest part is because when you're on top, your assistant coaches are getting farmed out to these other programs and the consistency that you probably need to be successful for a long time is maybe one or two bad hires away from falling apart. You look at Alabama even, like they went through a couple of years where it's Steve Sarkeesian is offensive coordinator, then Lane Kiffin is offensive coordinator, and they managed to make both of them work. But if one of those hires goes wrong, then then maybe you do have that seven and five season that might start that that turn or have that seven and five season that might get Nick Saban thinking like maybe it's time for me to get out of here. But yep. Andy, I, I, you have anything? Well, I was just going to say we should all take Danny's word for it because he is the only one that is currently a head coach and knows how to recruit, how to cheat within the rules and not get caught, <laughs> recruit players away from other programs. So we got to take Danny's word as gold right now. You know, it's how I reeled all those things off, like, super fast. Like, what do you think I think about all day, every day? 
<laughs> not U.S. history. Changing the subject real quick, like, kind of makes you wonder about Osborne leaving, like, when, when coaches or anybody leaves when things are going really well. Like, maybe it just feels good to be able to be like, yep, I built this. This is great. And now I'm going to step aside and enjoy whatever else is next. In Osborne's case, some sort of political career. And, like, you know, it'd be hard to have built it all up and still be there as it starts to, like, fracture and crumble away. Or, or maybe you see the writing on the wall and those cheating within the lines. Uh, Urban Meyer. Getting, yeah, that you were getting away with. Uh, maybe you see the end of the cliff starting to, to approach a lot quicker. Who knows? I won't ever say that about the the all holy ghost that is Tom Osborne, but uh, so shoot anybody any anybody have any any final comments? Is is right. this for the? It's good or is this? Yeah, so let, let's dive right into the grand finale. Extra uh, points, guys. We call this extra points. Yep, Danny, <laughs> for our for our unsponsored segment of extra points, what do you got? Well, speaking of, so you mentioned sponsors. I'm going to, I had something on my mind earlier and I just want to take a poll. Raise your hand if you've ever been inside a Radio Shack store. Really? All of you? Everybody's raising their hand. Yeah, that's amazing. I thought that was going to be a generational split there with me and Brandon versus the young guys, but I needed some random like device like to switch those, you know, the yellow, red, and white plugins like the three yep. i needed one of those that would like convert to hdmi if any of you guys have one i'll take it and i was just thinking you could rock walk into radio shack in our old in our mall back in the mid 90s and you could ask them for that and they'd walk over to some dusty shelf and just pop one out for you it wouldn't even be in a package or anything they'd have it you'd be like how much is this and they'd just make up a price and I just kind of miss Radio Shack being able to walk into this <laughs> random store with all these telephone cords, coax cables, everything else, and whatever electronic thing you'd need, you told the guy behind the counter that looked like he didn't know anything about anything, and he would, in a snap, just pull out whatever it was you needed, slap it on the counter, and you buy it. So we're going to sponsor this episode um, from Radio Shack. Thanks for listening. Uh, Brandon, extra point. Yeah, this was actually going to be my what was good earlier, and then I got thinking about Phillies and got all mad about it. But uh, so yeah, That wasn't good. This is my extra point. Um, restoring rivalries is uh, my extra point today. So I was pretty excited to see on Twitter a little announcement uh, that this November there's going to be a football game going on between – the University of Nebraska at Kearney versus Nebraska State Normal School, which is what it was known back by 1912. But uh, Saturn State College, they haven't played probably in nine or ten years, I suppose. And, uh, man, going to Saturn was always excited uh, to have the Kearney Lopers coming to town. And uh, just I hated, I hated Kearney more than – like as a Husker fan hating the Colorado Buffaloes. Like to me, it was that level. And just these people coming into, into uh, the panhandle area, you know, from central Nebraska and, and just hated, I hated everything about them. 
you know. So I'm pretty excited that's coming back. I'm hoping maybe COVID things will be better. They said something about maybe fans will be allowed. I'd kind of like to go and and watch the Southern Eagles. We could uh, make that a little deal because Kyle, you got your master's from Shadron. Brandon, yeah. you got your undergraduate correct, and I, I'm masters, getting my master's yeah. from UNK, so we can we can have a little I, bit I, of. A, I have I my undergrad it. too. Kent Hall, do or die, high rise, Andrews, go Eats, man, protect the rock. Heck I man. actually every time I drive through Shadron, get pulled over on the highway, and they give me a warning for speeding. So I'm gonna be going for Carney. They're giving you warnings, not tickets. What are you talking Every about? Every time. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I was actually kind of hoping this would turn into another one of those things that we that kept happening uh, last season where we'd talk about something and Kyle would suggest we go on a trip together, and then we all were just like, yeah, no. I think Brandon <laughs> offered the trip this time, and I'm all in. Uh, if Brandon wants to go, I'll go. Yeah, he, definitely, he Brandon. Sliver of the window, and I'm – I'm climbing through it. We're going. Now that Kyle said he wants to, now it's not as fun anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I think it would be fun, man. We should go. That We could have our first on-site game, yeah. you know? No, no. no that so would be all, awesome. all listeners are invited to my house Saturday for the uh, Florida State-Miami game and then a sing-second road trip November something-teenth to yeah, uh, Carney. Yeah, that'd be fun. And the, the biggest thing about that is, is Carney thought they were pretty big time switching from the RMAC to the MIAA. And if, if you look at where where they sit in either conference, I, I think it's safe to say they made the wrong decision. Although I think they might have been running away from a, from a future powerhouse because I don't think in the last few years when they were in the RMAC, uh, they could not get over the uh, the CSU Pueblo hump. Yeah, so, they were. They uh, lost in the national championship not too long ago, didn't yeah, they? I think they were running squ- scared from the Prairie Wolves and then ran straight into uh, the other D two powerhouse conference. And uh, up until last year, they were very unsuccessful in it. So uh, I don't know. It'd be it good to see those two teams. Uh, I always like when two rivals have contrasting color schemes as well, and you have the. I don't know if you want to call it, call it Scarlet uh, of Shattered State, maybe a maroon, I guess, maybe. Burgundy. Yeah, Burgundy is probably a good fit compared to the, the royal blue and yellow uh, of Carney. The, just the colors clash so much, uh, it makes for a good game visually, too. Good game visually. Uh, Andy, extra point. No, this has been good. I uh... – Got plans now, November 19th in uh, Kearney. And <laughs> no, just I'm glad one weekend's uh, crossed out there now. Yeah. Um, yeah, as for my extra point, I really don't have one. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping uh, that we're kind of settling in. People can maybe start setting their clocks to these Wednesday, Wednesday night pods. Uh, we'll, we'll try to keep it a little bit more regular now that we have regular football games. Um, but other than that, I've, I've kind of skirted my, my daddy duties and husbandly duties, uh, for far too long tonight. So I think now would be as good a time as any to wrap up. And, uh, as we, as we close, I just, for one final time, let's say, let's say Canes and we'll, we'll see, we'll see who the Canes have next week to, to see if we might as well talk about them one more week in a row. So, uh, everybody have a good weekend and... We'll see you on the flip side.